Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, presented by Conserve the Wild, your destination for an unfiltered look at conservation. Now let's get wild. Finding your place isn't easy for everyone. For some people, it's at work. For others, it's in a church. For me, it's there, in the north woods of Pennsylvania, on my family's 70 acres that I found my place in the world. It's the place where I found God. And I continue to talk to Him to this very day. Welcome back to the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Creighton, and this is episode number 60, Why I Hunt. Earlier this year, I had the privilege of having Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins on the podcast. Robbie's developed a new show that showcases the personal stories behind people who hunt and why hunting is important to them. If you haven't listened to that episode, search back. It's a good one. I know I'm a little biased. I want to say that this is one of, if not the best episodes that we've had on the podcast. During that conversation, Robbie asked me a question that should be easy to answer. Why do you hunt? I feel like I answered that question honestly and succinctly. And I don't regret the answer I gave, but I also feel like to answer that question is far more complex. I feel like I would need much more time to provide and explain my answer. Well, now I'm dedicating an entire episode to answer this question. My explanation is going to be long-winded. I like to talk, hence why I started a podcast. And so to make it a little bit easier and to keep me from rambling too much, I'm going to be breaking this down into five categories. So why do I hunt? I hunt for food. I hunt to reconnect with my roots. I hunt for isolation. I hunt for social connection. And I hunt for conservation. I hunt because I'd like to know where my food comes from. I'd like to know what I'm putting in my body. I feel like it's a very healthy way to consume your meat instead of going to the grocery store and seeing something in cellophane wrap, not knowing where it came from, how it was treated. I think that the disconnect between your food is seen more and more every day and um, just not a big fan of factory farming. Um, I like to know, you know, where it comes from, taking it from the field, whether you're hunting turkey or deer is mostly um, my hunts and being able to take down an animal, work at butchering it, storing it and then cooking it the proper way is probably the number one reason why I hunt. Um, I also like the challenge. I think it's difficult. It's not for everybody. Waking up in the morning early, it's cold, weather's not always the greatest and making sure that you put in the time to 
get to the right spot. And I just think it's it's something that builds character. Um, and I think it's something that just is a, is a fun challenge um, to make sure that you do things the right way. And when you're successful, it just makes it worth it more and more, um, especially when you get to eat it. Um, I think it's just a, a greatest satisfaction in that. Um, I didn't really have the opportunity as a kid to hunt munch because nobody in my family did until I got married and went out for my very first hunt with my father-in-law. And ever since then, I was hooked. So I think that relationship that me and him have uh, is stronger because of that. It's a kind of a bond that we have together. We talk about it all the time uh, and try to help each other out strategize about it i think you have that bond um, that not a lot of people have unless you're doing something like this um, i hope down the road here uh, that my nephews will take on hunting and i'd like to use that to spend more time with them um, they've already shown interest about getting their hunting license and i think that that would uh, benefit each other um, getting to spend time out in the woods i love being out in nature and I hope that I can pass a little bit of that on to them. My name is Patrick Scott. This is why I hunt. Let's start breaking down those five reasons. First and foremost, I hunt for food. As a high school culinary teacher, I spend most of my days thinking, talking, and working with food and ingredients. By no means am I a master chef, but I do fancy myself as someone who knows his way around the kitchen. The ability to hunt allows me to become part of the process of food creation. Far too often in our modern society, it calls on us to rely on processed and convenience foods, something that I talk about almost on a daily basis in class. While this allows us to eat during our busy lives, it has also caused us to distance ourselves from the food-making process. Unlike most people, I know how the ingredients get into my food and onto my table. The industrial food industry has provided some great benefits for society, but it's also caused some large-scale issues like ecological impacts, climate impacts, and food safety issues. By hunting, I can lessen my need to rely on this industry. I'm able to control the process from start to finish. I can ensure that the food is safe, free of contamination, and packaged exactly as I need for future use. This process starts much earlier than most food consumers would suggest. This process starts with selecting the animal I choose to kill. Each time I pull the trigger or release an arrow, I'm choosing to consume that animal. And it's not a decision that I take lightly. But more on that complex decision later. Once a shot is fired, I'm now a part of the process. This includes making an ethical shot, finding the animal in a reasonable amount of time, preparing the animal for processing, butchering and preparing of those edible parts, storage of the meat, and finally then meal preparation. All this takes time, but when I can control the entire process, I can ensure that everything is safe and healthy to eat. Another reason food is a big reason I hunt is because of the source. I'm a meat eater. I enjoy the taste, the texture, and the smell of a finely cooked meat. With this being the case, I often find myself at odds with our modern society's definition of meat. 
these meat products are purchased at the grocery store, like chicken, beef, turkey. They have a lack of flavor and are oftentimes altered from what they really should be. The push for more product at higher sales mean that the animals are fed scientifically developed feed. They're slaughtered as early as possible. And when I'm successful on a hunt, I'm ensuring that I'm able to harvest clean, relatively organic meat from an animal that has lived typically a longer and a much wilder life. I say relatively organic because I'm not able to control what that deer, turkey, bear, or pheasant eats on a daily basis. If the animal lives near a GMO corn or soybean field, technically I can't consider this meat organic. But it's going to be much cleaner of a diet for that animal because it's going to browse and it's going to have choice in what it eats. In regards to the lifespan of the animal, I'm the one who makes the decision on when that animal dies. And I take full responsibility for that. In my current hunting journey where I find myself today, I often find myself looking to harvest older animals. I do this for a multitude of reasons. One being that it makes the hunt a little bit more difficult, but it also develops a much more intense flavor. And while it may make that hunt more difficult, and it might take longer to be successful during the season, it's a decision I feel more comfortable with. And that's my personal decision alone. By allowing that animal to live longer, I believe I enable them a chance to create more life. Selfishly, I'm also allowing that animal to develop that more complex flavor profile. And in the case of a buck, oftentimes a larger set of antlers as well. Like I said, the choice to hunt is complex. Every pound of venison or turkey or a small game bird that I consume, that's one less pound of farm-raised animal that I need to purchase. I know I'm only one person, but this cause is a direct line to a lessened production of industrial-scale farms. Why do I feel like it's important? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. First, while the U.S. does have a lower carbon footprint from beef production compared to the rest of the world, it stands at 3.3% of greenhouse gas emissions. Regardless of how you feel about climate change, I know that wild animals have to be on the landscape for a properly functioning environment. But a massive amount of farm-raised animals does not. So my second reason for trying to lower my consumption of industry, industrially farmed raised meat is to benefit smaller farmers, right? So not only are these smaller farmers going to create less greenhouse gases, but also I'll be the, you know, I'm able to support a small local business. I'll be the first to say that I love quality beef and chicken and pork and of course eggs. I find that that quality suffers when the animals are produced on a large scale. So to help with that and help out a smaller farm, my wife and I recently just purchased a third of a beef cattle from a small local farm. Not only does this meat taste amazing compared to store-bought, but it's also helping that local family to help them put food on their own table. I'm all about helping others in my community at the local level, and hunting helps me do that. I can source the majority of my meat through hunting, leaving a lessened need for store-bought meat. This means when I do buy meat, I can afford to spend more on the quality meat from that smaller producer. 
I can also help those small farmers by doing my part to reduce the herd size to a manageable population. And that in turn is going to help reduce crop damage and increase the profits for those farmers. It's all a big circle and we can all help each other. I know this took a, a little bit of a systematic turn, but the basis of my first reason to hunt remains as it always did. I'm a meat eater and hunting provides me with food, food that is clean, it's high quality, it's relatively organic, it is definitely locally sourced, and it tastes damn good. I hunt because of my dad and granddad. My dad sat with me the first time I was in the woods, and my granddad sat with me just as much, if not more, over the next few years. I loved hunting because I loved them. I still love hunting. Maybe it's because of the nostalgia and the memories made with them, my brother, uncles, and friends. Maybe it's because of the appreciation I have for nature and time for reflection. Maybe it's because we enjoy the meals that come from hunting. All I know is that I was lucky enough to end my archery season with a seven point September 19th this year. And I got the same feeling I got when I shot my first doe in 1997. It doesn't get old. I love hunting. My name is Talon. This is why I hunt. Another reason why I hunt is to help me reconnect with my roots. I'm the prototypical hunter. I'm a white male who grew up in a mostly rural setting. I also come from a family that hunts. My father, who didn't start hunting until his 20s, taught me to hunt. My maternal grandfather hunts, as well as my uncle who married into the family, along with other members of our extended family. Every year, the four of us, myself, my grandfather, my father, and my uncle, all gather at our family cabin. This is the place that my grandfather bought in the 70s. And we gather there during the various hunting seasons to continue this family tradition. We enter the woods to pursue wild game year after year, now going on 45 years. But the tradition of being hunters didn't start 45 years ago. Hunting has been a part of my mother's side of the family for generations, dating back to the early 1800s. I can fondly recall stories of my great-grandfather, Old Pap Teat, taking multiple week trips to north central PA in pursuit of white-tailed deer. Traveling in his old Ford, they would often get stuck in deep snow and change multiple flat tires during their drive up and back. They would camp out in tents or rent cabins in the mountains of Potter County. This was a yearly endeavor, and we continue that today, albeit a little bit shorter trips, better vehicles and roads, and we make this trip far more often. As I talk about this family tradition, I realize that the stories to come to mind are modern in terms of human history. I can only recall the stories from my modern ancestors because the details get lost in time. But history tells us that all of us can trace our lineage back to hunter-gatherers. Deep down, I feel that tug, that call to go into the wilderness and pursue nourishment. It's a feeling to explore what is over the next ridge and to try to outsmart my prey. Well, today the wilderness isn't quite as large. The knowledge I've gained about my prey is much more readily available than ever before. Yet, the same primal feeling still remains. This primordial fire burning deep inside that grows 
as the air turns cool. The shortening of the days, the crispness of the air, brings a sense of lust. And it's not, it's not bloodlust. It's a lust that can only be described as wonder. I wonder, how close can I get to this deer? Where are the grouse and the pheasants in this field? What call the turkey will respond to best? I can feel in my bones the same wonder and adrenaline that my ancestors felt as they pursued animals. The animals may have changed. The timing of pursuit may have changed. The way I use tactics and strategy and the killing of game may have changed. But I know one thing for sure. The tug and call of the wilderness and to pursue game still churns. Before I really get into the third reason why I hunt, I need to sort of start this next segment with a quick disclosure. I love people. I love being with people. But with that being said, I also relish being by myself. I'm an only child, and this may not be a surprise to many people that know me well. And according to a book my wife recently read, that's because I have a number five personality. Now, for those of you that don't know what that means, I'll explain the little bit of knowledge I have about that. This means I have a time limit for most people and require time to myself to de-stress. As my wife explains this chapter in the book, honestly, the book hits the nail on the head pretty much perfectly. To me, there's just something magical about being alone in the woods, in the field or on a mountain. It probably has something to do with the beautiful sunrises and sunsets. The feeling of the sun on my face as the cool, crisp air fights to try to chill me to the bone. When I'm alone, I can feel a deeper connection to the natural world. I'm able to move at a slower pace, and I enjoy the beautiful moments that, in, that I encounter. Some of those moments are exciting and elicit great stories. Some are merely enjoyed in the moment and left among the trees, forgotten by the time I walk out. One of the most memorable moments from my time afield lasted only a couple seconds. I was walking to the tree stand that was in a pine tree on a chilly late October morning. Between the cloud cover and a new moon, that meant darkness like you can't experience in a suburban or urban setting. I grew up on these 70 acres spending most of my childhood roaming and exploring. I'm able to walk to most of these areas on the property in the dark without a light. But typically whenever I start getting close to where I want to hunt, I normally turn my headlamp on to guide my last 50 yards a little more easily and a little more quietly. When I pushed the button that morning, I saw two eyes peering back at me from under the exact tree I was going to climb into. After what seemed like five minutes, but quite honestly it was only about five seconds, the eyes darted off to my right and ran off. It was then that I realized that I had just seen a bobcat for the first time on our property with my own eyes. That is a magical moment. Of course, those moments aren't shared with other people often. And those people often mean the most to me. I'm talking about every sunrise and sunset. I'm talking about the vulnerable feeling that stews deep within during the pre-dawn darkness. I'm talking about listening to the critters wake up in the morning. It's during these times, when I'm a part of nature, by myself, that the real magic happens. 
is the magic every hunter experiences but rarely talks about. Being in nature, isolated from modern society and other people, a person can really get some thinking done. I find myself able to disconnect, to recharge, to find my place in the world. Finding your place isn't easy for everyone. For some people, it's at work. For others, it's in a church. For me, it's there, in the north woods of Pennsylvania, on my family's 70 acres that I found my place in the world. It's the place where I found God. And I continue to talk to him to this very day. When I feel stressed or lost, I know a trip to camp will help to realign my body, my soul, and my mind. This isolation that hunting helps me connect to, my, to center myself, it helps me find that center. And it provides me a way to feel more connected to nature, to the world, and my creator. I hunt because it is time well spent doing something I really enjoy with family and friends. I love the outdoors, the conservation aspect of hunting, and getting to bring whatever I harvest from field to table. Um, over the past several years, I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to hunt different types of game, uh, travel to and experience all that new places have to offer, and to do so with family and friends, and that really means a lot. Uh, the lasting memories I have of those hunts are something I definitely cherish, and it's always fun to reminisce about those past hunts. Getting to spend time outdoors you know, has also been very important to me. Uh, to me, hunting is more than just harvesting an animal. It's enjoying time spent in nature, uh, getting to see animals in their natural habitats, and getting to experience nature in, in all of its seasons. Uh, I feel that, you know, if I didn't hunt, there's so much I'd be missing out on, uh, out, you know, outdoors. So I, I really appreciate having that opportunity. Uh, and every animal I hunt, uh, I have so much respect and appreciation for. So uh, that's definitely one of the reasons why I take pride in bringing whatever I harvest from field to table. Our family eats a lot of wild game. And to be honest, I really enjoy the whole processing and preparation part of all of it. And of course, one of the best parts is getting to enjoy whatever you prepare yourself, but I think it's even better getting to share that with others too. Having talked all about isolation and how I relished that opportunity to delve into nature alone, I realized it would be wrong of me not to mention something 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Yes, the isolation that hunting can provide is vital to my mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. However, like all humans, I crave social connection. And I hunt for the social connection that that activity provides. Growing up hunting in Pennsylvania offers something not enough people get to experience, and that's hunting camp. I was lucky to have a grandfather who purchased land and then built a cabin on that land. Each year since 1976, family and friends have gathered there during the hunting season. It was once a men-only experience, but it's changed and evolved over the years. Today, starting the first weekend of October, we gather at camp to hunt. This goes on each weekend for 12 straight weekends, and that's a lot of time spent away from home. So why do we do it? Why do I do it? 
I do it because the social atmosphere of hunting camp is unlike anything else I have ever experienced. I've been on athletic teams. I've lived in a college dorm. I've spent time on vacations with large groups of friends. None of that compares to the camaraderie of a hunting camp. It's amazing what you hear at hunting camp. Of course, the stories of past hunting trips are told and retold and retold and retold. We often talk about work and friends and family. We even delve into deeper topics like social change, politics, and every once in a while philosophy. With such a wide array of subject matter, it brings up the obvious rule number one. What happens at camp stays at camp. And before anyone gets any, it gets all heated about that rule, nothing crazy is going on here. There just aren't any, you know, there aren't any secret handshakes or nefarious plots. But at times, the conversations do get a little heated. And it's best to keep this place that we call camp a sanctum. I have to admit, there isn't a better feeling than coming back to camp to talk about your day. Recalling the animals you saw, the way deer moved through the landscape, the squirrels that wouldn't leave you alone. Regardless of a successful or unsuccessful hunt, the story I get to tell about my day hunting always brings me joy. And so do the stories I hear from anyone else who went hunting that day. I love to hear about nature and people's experiences in nature. Sharing those moments and times with friends and family brings us together. It strengthens our bonds and creates a love that never wanes. The last major reason I hunt is because of what it instilled in me. Hunting started me on a journey that has had many twists and turns, but that journey never veered off the path to becoming a conservationist. When I was younger, when I wasn't hunting, I spent time playing sports and video games. Neither of those activities would have ever led me to become a conservationist, but hunting did. The act of hunting is more than just an act. You have to learn about the weather, the soil, the plants, the animals, and the landscape. This learning never stops, but it leads to what most regard as the final act, the kill. Yes, hunting involves killing, but it also involves developing a deep love and respect for the natural world. The path my first hunt in 1998 sent me down has caused me to find ways to give back to the landscape and the animals I pursue. What was once just a couple days of field has turned into a full-blown obsession. Just ask my wife. I've taken classes on wildlife biology, meteorology, and white-tailed deer. I've learned about plant growth and timber production and farming practices. I've taken that knowledge to the next level about learning about regenerative agriculture. But I haven't stopped learning. And I've also put this knowledge into action. These days, for every hour I've spent in the woods pursuing my chosen prey, whether that be a deer or a pheasant or a turkey, I've spent 3.68 hours, yes, I did the math, 3.68 hours working on conservation initiatives. It started with planting food plots for deer and has turned into so much more. From classes to researching timber practices, from planting 3,000 tree seedlings over the last four years to joining conservation groups, from, alerting, from altering 
my hunting style, to creating a nonprofit. All of this began with a spring turkey hunt in 1998. I've evolved as a, as a hunter to a point now when I feel just as much joy watching a doe and fawn feeding on my food plot as I would if a Boone and Crockett buck was doing the same. This evolution hasn't been easy and it isn't over. I continue to grow as a hunter and as a person when it comes to conservation. But none of this would have been possible if it wasn't for that first hunt. And I'll admit, it's a complicated relationship hunters have with animals. We love and revere them, yet we actively pursue their death. We work towards the betterment of species, yet remove some of them from the landscape. Anyone who hasn't hunted before can't understand this relationship, but hunters can. We can both love deer and work to keep their existence and kill one. We rectify this action by realizing that the removal of one individual will create a better overall herd health, and it's a part of the general life cycle of our ecosystem. Again, non-hunters have a hard time grasping this concept, but hunters get it. I could spend talking, I could spend all kinds of time talking about how it's hunters who ended market hunting or the money brought in by hunters that get used for conservation. But we find that those words ring hollow. While the money and the actions of past and current hunters matter a great deal, what matters most is the relationship I, not just I, but we hunters have developed with the natural world. When you become a predator on the landscape, you realize how fragile the whole deal is. Our modern and industrial society threatens the very existence of nature. By deciding to become part of the natural world, not removed from it, but part of it, I have placed myself as an important cog in nature. I help drive the train forward. My actions have real consequences, but my actions also have real positive impacts on the modern world around us. I am a conservationist. My name is Jason Creighton. I'm a foodie, I'm a traditionalist, an isolationist, a family man, and a conservationist. I am a hunter. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed putting it together. You may have a different reason for being a hunter. You may have a different reason for wanting to hunt for the first time. And that's okay. That's what makes us human. If you want to reach out to us and let us know why you're a hunter, just like you heard other people strewn throughout this episode, go ahead and reach out to us through our website. Hit that contact page, conservewild.org slash contact, and shoot us an email. If you want to do it with audio, we might include it in a future episode. If you just want to put the words down on paper, that's just fine too. Either way, if you are a hunter, I implore you to do as Robbie did and ask yourself, why do you hunt? Find that answer within your soul and express it and share it with everyone you can. Because when we can explain why we hunt, 
we can change minds and we can change hearts. Until next week, stay wild.